Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I got a word for you. I want to go to uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Uh, we're going to read verse 1, uh, probably all the way through 10 here uh, this morning. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. I relate with Zacchaeus on some levels. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Everybody likes that 10%, don't they? Until somebody says half. Says, I'll give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I want, I want to talk to you in this third uh, part of our series, The Art of Multiplication. Uh, if you've missed some of our other segments, you can watch them online and uh, catch up on the podcast. And if you don't know, this this series is about generosity. And so we've talked about this, but as soon as you mention in church uh, that, that you're about to talk about generosity, uh, people think a couple of different things. One, if I can excuse myself and go to the bathroom, I can slip out to my car and go home. Two, uh, you know, um, th- th- this, is, this is classic. This is the week I came. I should have stayed in bed. You know, they, they, they start going through the excuses. But I want you to know something. We've been saying this all throughout, and we have seen, Pastor Cameron already mentioned this, we've seen the power of God just breaking out in our services as we've been talking about generosity. And the reason I believe that the power of God, the presence of God is breaking out when we're talking specifically about generosity is because generosity or money is connected to our heart. And God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our resources. He desires our heart. The problem for many of us is that our heart is tied up in our things, our resources, our money, our giving. In, in, in this passage of scripture, I, I love this story about Zacchaeus, and I want to actually come at it from a different angle uh, today because I want to talk not just about Zacchaeus and, and how short he was um, and uh, how he climbed the tree and he got to where Jesus, and I love this passage because it says Jesus was passing through. Jesus wasn't even on his way to Zacchaeus. Jesus was on his way somewhere else, but because of the desperation of Zacchaeus, he stopped at Zacchaeus. I think there's a lesson in there for somebody, is that your own desperation for God can stop him in his tracks. This is that Jesus was about to pass him by, but because of the desperation of the man, that Jesus stopped and had interaction with him. That just encourages me this morning, that because it doesn't matter where God is going or what he's doing, that if I can be desperate, if I can engage with him, if I can have expectation, he'll stop for me. That's encouraging. 
But the story goes on, and, and, and Zacchaeus it says he climbs a, climbs a tree because he couldn't see over the crowd. And I was preaching a conference in Oklahoma City this weekend, and, and uh, I got up on the stage, and uh, they had a table kind of like this, except it was like a foot taller. So if you can imagine, I'm like, y'all out there? And so I kept on trying to like position myself like, like differently because it just, it was like, a, it was about like this. And, and I'm like, man, is this like a tall person church? Or like, what is this? Like giants in the land? Or, and so finally, I just like had to get in front of it. I'm like, man, that, that table is just, it's, it's, it's got to go. But Zacchaeus was a short man because he couldn't see over the crowd. The Bible says that he was strategic. He, he, he didn't camp out where Jesus had been. The Bible says he ran to where Jesus was going. I think this is strategic for us because I think in church, if you've been going to church for a long time, it is easy to camp at places where Jesus has been and miss the places where Jesus is going. This, this, they say the seven words of a dying church, or we've never done it that way before. Camped out. Built denominations and religions and churches around where Jesus has been and what he has done. I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to be where Jesus was. I want to be where Jesus is going. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of everything that God is about to do. I'm going to be strategic. I'm going to be desperate. I'm going to have expectation. And I'm going to get myself to the place where Jesus is, is going. That's what Zacchaeus did. He's like, all, all the people following, probably making fun of Zacchaeus, like, man, you're so short. Look at that guy. I can't even see over the crowd. And Zacchaeus is like, you idiots. Look at you following a movement that was. I'm going to go and I'm going to plant. I'm going to set up. I'm going to get strategic about the place where Jesus is going. Let me ask you a question. Where's Jesus heading? Where's he going? There is always an intersection of desperation at the place of our desperation for God and the place of God's willingness to encounter us. There's this intersection. And that's what Zacchaeus encounters. And, 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 and Zacchaeus, he, 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 he has an interaction, a conversation, communication with Jesus. Jesus stops, begins to talk to him. The people that followed where he was did not talk to Jesus. It was only the man who was desperate enough to get ahead of Jesus and be where Jesus was going that had conversation with Jesus. Jesus talks to him. And, and I love this. Jesus is like, i got to go to your house. I'm just going to tell you, if, if we're any somewhat friends at all, and if you just say, like, that's it, let's, let's go to your house, I'm going to say no. Okay, I was just like, let's go to a restaurant, let's go to Top Golf. You're not coming to my house. Okay, it's just like that's that's like safe zone. I know you should be sharing your life. We're talking about generosity. Pray for me, okay? It's just you gotta have you know something. And, 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 but he says, I'm coming to your house. Zachy's wife is probably freaking out. You know, it's like, hey, she, you know, they didn't have phones, so they probably just like paged her. And um, she, you know, she says, SOS. You know, Jesus is on the way. And uh, so she's tidying up the house. Jesus comes. They have this meal. And so uh, they're eating there. And, and, and this is where I want to key in on today and, and spend our time on. It says that Zacchaeus was so overwhelmed by what was happening in his house that it says that he was moved with generosity. And he says, that's it. I'm going to give half of my possessions I'm going to give half of everything I own. I'm giving it to the poor. He said, and beyond that, all the people that I've wronged, if you don't know this, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. 
He, 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 he was a wealthy man. Especially in those days, he, he was a man of affluence and probably a hated man because he probably cheated people out of some of the money that he gained. And so he says, anybody that I have wronged, I will also pay back four times. And then I want you to see this. Then Jesus, after he is moved with generosity, Jesus says this, today salvation has come to this house. Right there, honestly, is the thesis, the crux of everything we'll talk about today. Jesus noted salvation had come to him when the bondage of the world was broken off of him. He says as soon as he was moved with generosity, all of a sudden, Jesus says, all right, you got it. You got it. It was like the prayer didn't do it. Well, I said the prayer. No, the prayer is a prayer. But what God wants is your life. The prayer is a dedication. It represents your life. God's not interested in lip service or in, a, in, a, in, in some of your good works. He is interested in a dedicated, given heart. That's what we've been talking about with generosity. Is it too early for this? Y'all right? This is what we've been talking about with generosity is that God wants our heart. As soon as Jesus saw that he had his heart, he says, salvation has come to this house. I want to talk to you just for a couple moments uh, from uh, this story and, and, and about multiplication and generosity. And let me just say it this way. Obedience plus generosity equals multiplication. So how do I see multiplication, the art of multiplication? How do I see multiplication in my life? It, 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 it's an equation. It is my obedience plus my generosity that equals multiplication. Some people say, well, stop, hold on. I thought that my obedience was generosity. It's about to get real quiet in here because we're about to go just, just a little bit deeper. Your obedience is expected. Generosity is overflow. My obedience, I bring the tithe because I am obedient. But I give because I am generous. And when I put those two together, multiplication starts to happen in my life. When I take what I am responsible for and I entrust God with it, I trust him with the first, and then I am generous with my life, there is a art or there is a dynamic, there is a principle of multiplication that begins to happen in your life. We're saying, God, we trust you. We trust you with our finances. We trust you with our provision. Every time you get paid is a test of who you trust. It's a, it's a test. It's a test of who we trust. The subject of our Bible, the subject of the Bible is God. And if we were to try to find the verb of the Bible, it is give. The, the subject of your Bible of our guidebook for life, the subject of this book is God, and we love that. But if you were to try to find the verb, you would have to settle on give. The action word, the action word of the Bible is give. There's approximately 500 verses in your Bible on prayer. It's 500 on faith, and there's 2,000 on money and possessions. We've said this in multiple weeks, is, is the thing that we talk about the least in the church, but God talks about the most in the Bible. There's a disconnect somewhere. 
There's a disconnect somewhere in what we're talking about and how we're talking about it. The tithe is what we bring to God out of obedience. We've talked about this, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, the beginning, the, the first part of any increase. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. We've talked about this, is that we don't give to receive something from God. But God always rewards obedience. There's been many movements in churches that have taught that if I give, man, I'm going to sow a little bit, God's going to give me something back. The principle of God's word is true, but the motive of giving is never to receive. The motive of giving is to give. We have been so freely blessed, so we have been so, we, we are moved to so freely give. If we give to get, it reinforces the thing that God is trying to break off of us by operating in generosity. When I give to get, I reinforce selfishness in my life because the reason that I am giving to you is so that I can get something from you. But when I give to give, it breaks the hold of selfishness in my life and I step into a realm, a, a, a life cycle, a place of freedom that says I will not be bound by these material things. Generosity, tithe is what we do out of obedience. Generosity is what we give to God out of gratitude. Let me give you a scripture, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down or gave his life, the verb of the Bible, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And we all say amen to that. We're gonna lay down our lives. How do we do it? If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, listen to this. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech, but with actions and in truth. Last night I got home from this conference and, and uh, had a little bit of time uh, before I had to finish up everything for today. And, and uh, so my wife and I and my boys, we ran to get uh, a little dinner. So we went to dinner and on the way out of the restaurant, we're pulling out uh, over uh, here in Allen and, and we're pulling out. And uh, on the side of the road is, is a family, a dad and a mom and two kids. And he's got a sign that he lost his job and he needs money. Now, I'm just going to tell you honestly the first thing that came through my mind it's like you got the kids out here really right because I, I might be the only one it's, it's, it's all right hey, I feel really bad now because that was my first thought was like for real you're gonna bring the kids out here make them pull the heartstrings and I knew I was preaching on this today I've been studying the, that verse where literally the author says dear children which I don't think was loving. I think it was kind of like a jab, like you should know this. And so I stopped and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, if the light turns red, then I might consider giving. But then I have another checklist, which is like if I have any cash, which is never. So I'm like, I'm pretty safe. The light's gonna be green and I'm not gonna have cash. Light turns red. I'm like, ah. Oh. And then I pull out my wallet and I look and I had 20 in there. And I, Jamie and I literally the night before, I just had a conversation about, like, hey, hey, let's just be real careful the rest of the month. You know, let's be really wild. And I'm like, 
And so I said, hey, Jamie's on her side. I'm like, can you, can you give my money away, please? <laughs> I'm sure they need it. I'm sure they're being honest. I'm sure they're, and we gave it, and we're driving away. And the scripture's just going through my mind. It doesn't say if the person needing material possessions has good motives. It says if you having material possessions. And we gave it, and I was telling my oldest son, Jude, I said, Jude, you know what we just did? Is we had extra, so we gave to someone who didn't have enough. I said, that's what generosity is. Generosity is we're so blessed and we're so grateful that out of our gratitude, we give. I don't know if he caught it or not. I'm hoping he does. Um, but he's probably going to have to see it a lot more times. But isn't it interesting the battle over a small $20 bill that goes through our minds when we think, do they deserve it? Should we give it? Should we share this? Should I do this? It's a $20 bill. I have material possessions. I'm blessed. God's blessed me. And beyond that, he's my provider. So we give generously because we should not love in speech but in words and in action. That's what we need in the church, is we need a movement of action, not just more talking. My Bible says that, that, that you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. We don't need any more lip service. We need people who are saying, God, we are gonna love you with our lives. We are gonna share our lives. We are gonna give in action and in deed. Not just talk about it, not just preach about it, not just tweet about it, not just post about it. We're going to be people of action, people that move, people that respond, people that act. It's interesting to me, and I, I believe this with all my heart, that generosity is a byproduct of gratitude. Generosity is actually a byproduct. Generosity is produced by gratitude. Because this is what happened with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus knew that he had come up short. Literally and figuratively. It works, okay? His, he knew. He knew that in himself, he was not enough. And this is the wild thing, is he was enough in every area. He was a man of influence. He was affluent. He had standing. He had a job. He was influential. But he came up short in what mattered most. And so when he realized his need, he came to Jesus. And when Jesus stopped for him and Jesus accepted him, there was gratitude that was birthed in the depth of his heart. And from that gratitude, he says, I'm giving half of my stuff away. Oh, Oh, from the gratitude. Let me ask you this. Do you know what Jesus has done for you? Do you know what he's done for us? Do you understand the price that Jesus paid for me and for you? Because if you see that, sharing our lives becomes easy. It is the overflow. It is the byproduct of a gratitude, of gratefulness. Man, when I think about what I would be without Jesus, I am overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm overwhelmed with thanks. And that thanks is not just in my heart or in my mind. It spills out to my life. I do what I do today because of gratitude. It's the way Jesus saved me. Romans Chapter 3, I'm going to read it to you in, in, in the message. 
In verse 21, I'll just read you a chunk of scripture because this is what Jesus did for us. What does it mean for salvation to come to your house? That's what Jesus said. And this is before Jesus had died, so this is actually a prophetic statement of what would happen. Just like he said to the thief on the cross, Jesus hadn't died yet, but he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was salvation that was happening. He says, he, he, this, this is what salvation coming to your house means is what's found in Romans chapter three. It says, but in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all, to, to all these years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. There's no, there's, there's no person that's outside of this. If you believe, you can be saved. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us, God did it for us. Listen to this. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus. Finally, taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. Now, let me just explain this just real quick. When Jesus, this is what it says in the NIV. It says, for all have sinned and fall short. There's that word again. Zacchaeus was too short to see. He was unable to see Jesus. He came up short, which we don't have time to get into it, but did you know that Zacchaeus climbed a tree in order to see? The only way that you and I can see Jesus is because of what happened on a tree. Because all of us have fallen short. But there was, a, there was a go-between. There was a mediator. His name is Jesus. And when he died on the tree, he made it possible for everyone who has fallen short to step into relationship with him. What does this have to do with generosity? Everything? Everything? This is why some of us have got it wrong. This is why we've had bad theology. Because we didn't understand what Jesus did. When you understand what Jesus did, it changes everything. So this is what it says he did. It says that all of us were incapable in and of ourselves to please God. That means we were enemies of God. Romans chapter 5 says that we were enemies of God. That there was distance between us and God because God in his holiness cannot coexist with us and our humanity or us and our sin. So there was a disconnect. But Jesus came out of result of God's generosity and God's love for us. And when Jesus died, let me tell you what it did. When Jesus died, he took on himself the punishment for every sin that you've ever committed, that I've ever committed, and every sin that we would ever commit. So we were, and maybe you've heard this word before, so we were justified. What that means to be justified is a real simple way to remember it is just as if I've never sinned. When Jesus died, 
He died so that we could come before God just as if we've, you ever come into church and feel like, I probably shouldn't be here today. It's been one of those weekends, you know, <laughs> sweating season, you know. <laughs> but when you come in the presence of God, you don't have to think about all that you have done that separates you because that is to not take seriously the sacrifice of Jesus because when he gave his life, he made it, when he spilled the blood, he did two things. Just, he justified us, but he also redeemed us, it says here. Redeemed us means that he bought us back. He ransomed us. So we belonged to the world. We belonged to the enemy. But by his blood, he purchased us. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That the only currency that could buy us back was the precious blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And when he gave his life, he purchased us. So not only did he set us right, just as if we've never sinned, but he also bought us back because God's will for us is not just to save us, but to also set us free and also, John 10, 10, give us life and that life more abundantly. I don't have to barely make it. I don't have to sort of make it. I don't have to just try to claw by. God's plan for me is to have life and that life more abundantly. More abundantly, that's, that's what Jesus did. And because of what he did, I'm and you are grateful. And out of the gratitude, you know when we worship, it's not, let me worship so that, like, I mean, God probably deserves it. He's done good this week. Worship is not my tip to God. Worship's my gratitude. Worship's my gratitude to God. I'm up. I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your heart. It involves your money, but it's really about, it's really about your heart. This is what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a, we've heard this a thousand times, a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is what I believe. A grateful giver is a cheerful giver. How do I give what I have and what I've worked for cheerfully if I have a good perspective of what God's done for me? It will come naturally. It will come naturally. It will come. I had a couple projects that I just got paid on. I, I couldn't wait this morning to tithe and to give. You know what? I didn't, I didn't give it grudgingly. I gave it cheerfully. Why? Because of everything Jesus has done for me. I could stand up in front of hundreds of teenagers this, this week, weekend and, and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful. Me sharing my life, you sharing your life, it comes out of grace. It shouldn't come out of service. It shouldn't come out of duty. The price has already been paid. It should come out of gratitude that we're so grateful for the blood of Jesus. We're so grateful for the cross. We're so grateful for salvation. We're so grateful for what he did that the overflow, the overflow is generosity. It's generosity. Let me give you a couple things as we wind down of what generosity does just kind of put some framework around what generosity actually does in your life. Generosity enriches me. The Bible says it's blessed, more blessed to give 
than it is to receive. Generosity advances the kingdom of God. The Bible says lay away for yourself, set away for yourself treasure that will not rot. It says put, your, put away that treasure in heaven. How do you do that? You invest in the kingdom. Generosity advances the kingdom of God. Generosity is a testimony to the world around me. When I'm generous, it becomes a testimony. Do you know how many people would be confused if they knew that you give 10% of your income before you do anything else and you give it to the church? How can you trust them? How, where does it go? Do you know it's not even about where it goes or who you give it to? It's about the condition of your heart when you give it. Did you know that? Thankfully, in this church, we've got a board of directors and accountability and budgets and systems and checks all to make sure that this goes to advance the kingdom of God. But I'm going to tell you, even if you gave it to a church that didn't use it properly, it doesn't take your blessing because the blessing is not in what you give it to. The blessing is how you give it. Generosity releases the miracle working power of God. How, how does that work? I don't know. It just does. It releases the miracle. Look, look throughout your scripture. Look throughout the scripture. Whenever people gave, not just financially, but when they gave, God multiplied, God used. There's all kinds of things that happen as a result of generosity. Generosity frees me. I love this. Frees me from the hold of materialism. The battle over a $20 bill last night, when I give it, I break it. I break it every time I give, every time I tithe, every time I sow, every time I give to someone, every time I share an hour with someone, every time I share a weekend with someone, every time I share my life, encouragement, a note, money, resources, any time that we share, we break the hold of materialism. We, we, we hold things so tightly that any time that you step into generosity, it just starts breaking the hold. The world thought it had you. Money thought it had you, but every time you give it, you prove that you serve someone bigger than it. You serve a force that's greater than what it is. You bow to someone that is greater than what that thing does or what that thing is. Second Chronicles chapter 19, we'll close with this, verse 9. It says, this is one of my dad's favorite scriptures, For the eyes of the Lord range, they search throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It goes on, this is a prophecy to King Asa, and it says you've done a foolish thing, and from now on you'll be at war. But the principle of this scripture is in this, that God's eyes, his, he's searching. What is he searching for? He is searching for people that have a heart that is committed to him. Oh, my heart is committed to you, God. The scripture says they honor me with their lips, but their heart are far from. First John says, he says, don't just do it in words, but do it in action. Do it in action. That's what this scripture is saying. It says that God, just think about this. God's searching this room. God's searching it right now. Where is somebody that I have their whole heart? And when I find them, I'm going to show myself strong to them. We've been trying to talk God into it. And God's saying, I'm trying to find you. Your obedience and your generosity begins to wave a flag to God that says, my heart is yours, God. Nothing in this world, no resource, no worldly thing, no money, no supply it has my heart. You've got my heart. Every time you give, every time you worship, every time you share your life and be generous, you are waving a flag before God saying, my heart is totally committed to you. I wonder if God could find you this morning.
I wonder as he's searching the earth if he can find Church 1132. I wonder as he's searching the earth if he can find you, if he can find your family. I wonder if he can find us. I hope he can find me. I hope that my heart is completely committed. I hope that my heart is 100% committed to him so that when he searches, he can find me. And he says the reason that he's searching is so that he can show himself strong too. You know why a lot of people give is so they can have more. Do you know what the real value of giving is? Is that the God of the universe would seek to show himself strong to you. Man, money comes and goes. You can get another job and make more money. There's, more, there's a lot of hours in the day. You could, you, could tra- you could cut down on something else and you can make more money. You can have a business. You can start a business. You, you can make more money. But for God to show himself strong to me, my boys, my family, my future, man, the Bible says this, it says it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So I wonder for Zacchaeus, I wonder if it was the Pharisees that made him climb the tree and get to try to be with Jesus. I wonder if it was all the rumors about the law and the prophets. That made, you know what I think it was? I think it was Jesus' kindness that was so kind that he saw a short dude in a tree and was like, bro, what are you doing? Zacchaeus like, man, I'm a little short, you know, vertically challenged. So I got up here so I could see I'm trying to get where you are. You came this way. Here I am. I know you're not stopping here, but I just wanted to be here. I just wanted to get in your path because this heart is about to be totally committed. And if it's true that you're searching I'm going to climb up on this tree and I'm going to wave my life before you. And God, if you can stop right here, please stop right here. And it says, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. I'm going to get up in your business. I'm going to get into your home. I'm going to get into your life. And Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give half of what I own. I'm going to pay back four times to anybody I wrong. And Jesus declares over him, today salvation has come to this house. I found you, Zacchaeus. I found you, man of God. I found you, woman of God, because I found your heart. I found your heart. Could it be that that is the only thing that God is really after? Is 100% of us. If he loved us so much to give Jesus, it just makes sense that the object of his love and affection is not resource. It's us. What's the art of multiplication? The art of multiplication Obedience plus generosity equals multiplication. But the fuel of generosity is gratitude. It's gratitude. Thank you. Just think back to what Jesus has done in your life. Oh, man, think about what you, where, where would you be without Jesus? Where would you be if he didn't find you? Where would you be if he didn't save you? I can look across our staff in the front row and say, thank God. Thank God. God, he found us. Thank God he reached to us in his kindness. Thank God he reached to us in his mercy. Thank God. If he never did another thing for me, 
If he never answered another prayer, if I never felt his presence again, if he never spoke to me again, if he never gave me anything, just because of what he's done, it's enough for me to give my life, to share my resources, to share my time, to lay myself before him out of the gratitude of my heart. It fuels the generosity of my life. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.